Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain down I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means I just want you in my arms again And we can search each other's dreams What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of uh, this here podcast, Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball and other things. Um, Man, it's uh, been like 50 days since I ordered some food. (laughs) This is the things that I talk about on walks with my partner. Um, that's a fun thing to realize, you know, I I truly mean fun thing. I don't know. Uh, it's all just like, everything's running together, having some serious feelings today. Um, didn't really know if I was going to be able to, uh, do this, record this podcast today, but I'm powering through because I honestly, well, number one, it's my job. So I'd like to keep doing my job as much as I can. Um, and, you know, uh, I remember that Brett's notes are really great. So gratitude to bench coach Brett for still doing his job. So I should hold up my end of the bargain. Right. Uh, but I will say that I was probably going to have to figure out a new schedule for this podcast because, uh, it is difficult to, uh, everything's difficult. I'm having a hard time as a human being just in general. Um, you know, there's many things I could do for the podcast, like watch movies, then talk about those movies. Uh, but it's just difficult. It's difficult right now. You know, like honestly, each day is sometimes it's just like, it's hard to go from point A to point B, you know? Um, and I'm sure everybody can relate to that in some way, shape or form. Um, like it's hard to get guests because you can't just go to, it's like most of the people I've asked, they all have like day jobs. Um, and so our schedules don't line up. And, uh, so I'm just, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know. It's uh, like I said, it's like takes all of my energy to put a grocery list together. I know this sounds like first world problems, but, um, we're all kind of in, it, it's all just what it is. Uh, anyway, today is May day, uh, which is a big, uh, labor strike day. Look up your history on May day. Um, this is going to come out not on May day. So here's the thing. Um, I have had Amazon prime for quite some time. 
Um, I currently have it, and I have made a promise to myself to not renew that thing. Like you can't get your money back from it. Um, and so what I've decided to do is get myself off of Amazon Prime and end that service and uh, stop using Amazon. <laughs> I'm going to start using other things. Um, right now I'm watching Mr. Rogers on Prime because that feels like a good sort of spiritual shift of the use of the money that I've already put into it. But if you can, you know, uh, almost every grocery store is delivering now. Almost everything is delivering now because we can't go anywhere. Um, anyway, I don't know. This is just everything. Every time I do this podcast, I'm just rambling, but, um, I've taken up tie dye, which has been really fun and satisfying, but here's, here's the problem. It's hard to get supplies and I don't want to be wasteful. It uses a lot of water. So I'm trying to figure out fun ways to be creative without being super hyper wasteful. Um, and not have to use Amazon to get new supplies, you know, shit like that. And then I was like all excited about one of my tie dyes and I, I posted it before in the, I had some like extra poop bags and, uh, I, I was like, Oh, I'm being resourceful. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not like buying more plastic to use and I can still use these poop bags when I'm all done. And then people got on my mentions about like using plastic and I should use compostable. And it's like, I, I'm just tired. You know, I'm just tired. This whole thing super tiring. Um, but we have a garden going in the back and like I said, I'm tie dyeing stuff, which is fun. My dog has a cone on, um, cause he hurt his feet. So he's like not in action, which is great. Um, Oh, I also did a reorder of the stay tough, stay tender patches. So this will be on my website. Um, I just got those from DHL and so they're going to sit outside for 24 hours um, to let the virus die on them if it's on them. And then I'll be putting those back up on the website. And, uh, if you want to order those, I would love for you to order them. That'd be great. Um, it's a cool way to remind yourself to stay tough and stay tender, you know? Um, and also if you haven't seen it, there's this amazing video got retweeted by ESPN like last week, maybe. Um, uh, it's originally, it's put together by somebody that goes by Adam K, an editor by the name of Adam K. His Twitter is at Somerset V-I-I. Um, but it was tweeted out originally by somebody named uh, Tyka Green on Twitter. Um, and it's uh, with a simple uh, title, if you're missing baseball, watch this. So my friend Phil, friend of the show, Phil, uh best knuckle curve in the game posted it to our baseball leagues slack. And, uh, I watched it and I cried, <laughs> um, cause baseball makes me cry no matter what, but it especially made me cry and it's really well edited. Um, it's essentially like every baseball movie that's ever been, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's narrated by the movies and it's, and then the, it's all cut together. Um, clips from all of your favorite baseball movies. I haven't gone through to like put them all day, but it's all of them. It's literally all of them. Uh, professional baseball. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Cause there's no, uh, like bad news bears in there. There's a little bit of Sandlot, but I didn't, I don't think I remember seeing any bad news bears, but, um, yeah, it really, it really did make me cry. Cause I really missed the game and I was on uh, all fantasy, everything. And that'll be coming out soon. Um, and my pick, for things we're missing from the before times was baseball and something I didn't say 
on there, but just didn't get to. It's like, I don't just miss like, and you guys know this, but it's, I think it's worth saying. I don't just miss like men's professional baseball and like the MLB. I miss T-ball. I miss coach pitch. I miss little league. I miss high school. I miss softball. I miss all of it. I miss driving around and seeing people playing baseball. I miss it because it's not summer and uh, it's just sad. You know, it's just like actually feeling those feelings. Like, you know, I've been, I've been very, I think I said this last week. It's, I feel, find myself to be very repetitive, but I miss things. You know, I told somebody, oh, I'm bored, which I didn't want to say because I don't want to say that I'm bored. That seems like, it seems ridiculous to be bored right now. And she was like, what, how do you really, only boring people get bored. What, how do you really feel? Sounds like you're sad. And like, yeah, I'm sad, man. And being sad doesn't always mean like, oh, that's something you got to fix. Like, I'm just sad. It's okay to be sad right now. It is truly, like I had to, I just had to cry this morning and I was so mad and angry and sad. And my girlfriend and I, she was like, got some uh, root beer bottles and we broke them outside and she's cleaning them up right now. Um, and it was helpful actually um, thinking about bringing the root beer review back. Uh, I had old red eye dang and an IBC this week. So really kicking them back, you know, but like, I'm just here to tell you it's okay to feel your feelings. It really is okay to feel your feelings. Um, it's, it's hard for me because sometimes I, I'm so, now that I'm aware of it, I had no idea that I was spending so much time in self-pity, but it's it's hard to discern sometimes between sadness and self-pity, but I think sometimes I over I, I swing back one way too hard and I don't feel my sadness in the hopes that I'm not in self-pity and I don't know that that's going to help anybody. So, I mean, just one foot in front of the other and just do the best that you can. We, we really are in this together. Like as much as, as much as we can find arguments that we're not, and people have privilege and people are underprivileged and people are suffering. We are all suffering in this together virus or not. That is the thing. Um, I was reading a lot of, uh, 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 I can't think of his last name. (laughs) The dude that started homeboy industries. Anyways, um, Father Greg, I can't think of his last name right now. So Father Greg will have to do it. If you want to look it up, just look up Father Greg in Homeboy Industries. Um, and if you're adverse to religion, let me just point it out that he, it's spirituality. Spirituality is not just like white people doing yoga. Spirituality is like belief and faith. Um, and it doesn't have to be one way or the other. And he taught me a lot about, uh, allowing myself to feel kindness and gratitude and towards like my religious upbringing, which is minimum because I didn't have like a, my family didn't have a religion. I wasn't raised in religion in a belief system. I was educated in it quite literally because I went to a Catholic school and listening to someone like him. And then also just sort of finding my own way and spiritual teachings and understandings. I've been able to foster some less hard feelings about it, you know, and understanding that all the things in religion that, that are mean and meant to exclude and meant to make people feel sad are actually wrong. Um, but he's really taught me a lot about, um, compassion and understanding and, um, being one with each other. And 
that every single thing that happens um like on earth happens to bring us closer together that is the point of it like the point is not to punish anybody like the universe doesn't actually punish anybody humanity punishes each other you know punishment is a sin and uh we we punish each other and we put each other through hell but the universe doesn't actually do that the universe provides opportunity and a way out every moment of every day it's just whether we can see it or not and sometimes you just can't sometimes you got to be sad but i'm not going to be sad for 24 hours a day i'm not going to be sad for every minute of every hour you know um that is that would be self-pity <laughs> because there's positive things my plants are growing i have friends i i have you guys that listen to this podcast um so i can't believe that to be the only truth you know the sadness is not the truth um i'm still looking for the truth you know um and there are many definitions of words so you just got to keep looking those up um anyway <laughs> So we'll see, you know, we'll see. I Everything happens for a reason and we may not ever totally know every single reason, but like if you knew everything all the time, life would be pretty boring, um, which is why I like watching, you know, live sports because you never know what's going to happen. So anyway, uh, since I can't, we'll be back uh, right after this with some questions uh, that ESPN posed to everybody. All right, we're back. What a great ad. Thanks for listening to that. Uh, we got one article today. So once again, we got a quick podcast, but you guys understand you're just here for a minute. This is like a little meditation practice, you know, just listening to three swings. If you're looking to get into meditation, which I highly recommend, uh, let me just do like a personal ad for meditation. Um, this podcast can be your meditation. Many things can be your meditation. Something that is helpful right now is... Uh, getting rid of contempt or skepticism for things that might help you. It's I'm not telling you to today get rid of your contempt or skepticism for the things that are wrong in the world. Although that is the goal, you know, because if I can't control it, there's no point in me spending an entire day being angry about it. Doesn't mean I can't be, but it's just like, is this a good use of my heart? Probably not. But I will say that meditation has helped me get to where I am today. And I used to think meditation had to look this way, and that's why I didn't do it. And that was a convenient way of my brain keeping me from doing something that might help me. It's kind of like when I sit on the couch and go, I should go for a run. And I hear that voice tell me to do that. And then I go, nah, it's the same thing. So I'm here to say meditation can be as simple as taking a mindful breath. It can be one breath. It doesn't have to be anything. And the point of meditation is to not get to some elevated plane above everybody else. It's actually to be more within yourself and to love yourself so that you can better love other people and love the world that we're actually in. So whatever you need to do to meditate, try it. I, I used Headspace for a while. That was really helpful to get me started. And then there was a moment where I was like, this isn't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this thing. And now, now I'm in a practice of doing eight minutes using the insight timer with some like meditation sounds three times a day. And sometimes during that meditation, I just sit with the universe and try to invite the universe to just hang out with me. And then sometimes I try to imagine all the parts of my body smiling, 
Now that sounds really silly, but that's the point of it is for it to be silly. Like try, do it. If you're having a hard time, imagine your toes smiling. You can't do it without actually smiling. So it's a great way to bring a smile to your own face for nothing other than the sheer fact of smiling because smiling through this is very helpful. Um, that's something I've realized in wearing these masks. Like it is nice to see somebody smile at you, but like, it's actually more important that I am smiling underneath a mask, whether somebody knows it or not. Um, it's, it can be very powerful. So just give it a shot. There's no, I'm not, it's, it's just, just try it. I also read the book when things fall apart. That really, really helped me, um, start in meditation and to understand the point of it, that it is actually not large. It's actually pretty small. Um, and it is a practice, like practice. Everything is a practice. Like in our society, we are so success driven and success means money and success means like financial freedom and prestige and all this stuff. And like, if you're like me, that is gnawing at you all the time, but you can get all those things and still feel like shit. <laughs> so the point is actually to feel not pure happiness and joy at every moment of your life, but to feel able to be within anything that happens. Um, and so to be able to feel sad this morning and express that that was what was going on and not set it aside and pretend that that's not what's happening is what meditating for three years has done for me. Um, to be able to express that to somebody and not treat them like shit or treat myself like shit or just like wallow all day and not do anything, which sometimes you got to do, but like, Ugh, it just, it's a better way to be able to spend like an hour on something and get it out. Like Mr. Rogers says with the low notes on the piano and just go, gah, gah, you know, like get it out, get it out and then get on with your day. Even if your day is something small, like tie dye or taking your dog for a walk, it helps. <laughs> Speaking of my dog, he's making a cameo right now. All right, so today on the show, we've got one main story, and that is simply the big debates. I will mention that Rob Manfred has promised that Major League Baseball is coming back this season. I think that is politics. I think that's pure politics. I just saw uh, on Greg Calcaterra's Twitter that, uh, you know, that um, Mitch McConnell reached out to Manfred, and it's all politics. Like, he's saying that to signal everything's going back to normal. Here we go. And so I don't buy it for a minute. Um, I think it's dangerous. I don't think major league baseball cares about us very much. <laughs> um, so if I'm hesitant, I can miss the thing and also not want it to come back. Cause I would love for less people to die during this situation. Uh, so let's get into the big debates. ESPN published a list today, which was yesterday of the MLB's biggest debates. One controversial question per team that is guaranteed to get, to get that fan base and the rival fan base is fired up with hot takes and differing opinions. Here are a few of the most contentious questions. So we'll just go through a couple. And if you want to fire some opinions on these to me and or the other ones, please feel free to do so on Twitter. Number one, we got the Cincinnati Reds. Does Pete Rose belong in the Hall of Fame? I will read you the paragraph before I give you my opinion. And I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you already know what it is. In August of 1989, which was his last year as a manager and three years after re his retiring as a player, Rose was penalized with permanent ineligibility from baseball. 
Murph, I understand it's frustrating. Amidst accusation that he gambled on baseball games while he played for and managed the Reds, the charges of wrongdoing included claims that he bet on his own team. In 1991, the Baseball Hall of Fame formerly voted to ban those on the permanently ineligible list from induction after previously excluding such players by informal agreement among voters, which is interesting to peel that back, that curtain back to realize like, oh, there's there's informal agreements all the times as to, as to what's going to happen. Um, after years of Pope, that's, that's what people like to refer to as the old boys club. And that is why, um, everything happens. Uh, and it's not just up to men, but there you go. Informal agreements. After years of public denial, Rose admitted in 2004 that he bet on baseball and on the reds. Now I don't think that he belongs in the hall of fame. He will always be discussed in the world and the history of baseball. He will not lose his place in that hall. You know what I mean? There is the the hall of the history of baseball. He will never be forgotten in that. As a player and as someone who did something that we all disagree with, um, which is betting on baseball. And it's not just betting on baseball. It's betting on the team that you're playing on. And I can just say, in terms of my moral compass, that's wrong which is also to say why it's unfair to me. And we will see in the future how this pans out. But if I was a betting man, and I'm not, because I don't believe gambling is a great idea, um, many of the 2017 Houston Astros will make it into the Hall of Fame. Justin Verlander is said to be a first ballot Hall of Famer already. And to me... Stealing signs, knowing it's wrong, and doing it anyway is the same as gambling on your own team, knowing it's wrong, and doing it anyway. It is not as though Pete Rose didn't think it was wrong, had no idea. It's just, it's it's not right. And there has to be some, I don't believe in, like, you know, punishment does not heal. However, they've made an agreement that he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. They've drawn a line. There's the line. You put them in, then there's no line. Then we never have any lines and nothing ever matters. Um, he also is a guy that like permanently disabled a player in an all-star game. He has also done other nefarious shit that I've heard about off the field. And as far as I'm concerned, does not deserve to be in that Hall of Fame, even though there's plenty of dudes in that Hall of Fame that have probably done worse shit. Here's the thing. It's not my decision. They've already made the decision, so he we don't go back on it. That's my hot take on the issue. I think we live in a time where everything is bent and twisted around. And if you have an opinion, it's just taught me that like, I don't know that I need to share my opinion on every single thing. This whole section of the show is about my opinion, but I guess having an opinion can sometimes be a liability. And, uh, I just, this one is pretty cut and dry to me. Like they made the decision back in 1991. I don't think we need to go back on it. I just don't. Shoeless Joe Jackson isn't in the hall of fame, right? I don't know. All right. Moving on to a less difficult one. Uh, well, I shouldn't say less difficult. Uh, I, I still, I've been thinking about this and I still don't really know what my answer is. Boston Red Sox. Which member of the Red Sox belongs on the Boston sports Mount Rushmore, Ted Williams or David Ortiz? Williams didn't win championship after championship like Ortiz. He didn't win any. 
He was just someone who wanted to be called the greatest hitter who ever lived. And if he didn't live up to that billing, he is right there with Ruth and Bonds. Ortiz won three World Series, including the first in 86 years for the Red Sox. He was charismatic. He was clutch. He was magnetic. Ortiz was not one of the 10 best players ever. He was not one of the 100 best players ever, but he was the guy who was in his last World Series. Who, the, he was the guy who in his last World Series batted 688 and struck out once in 25 plate appearances. I think this all depends on your perspective of, I mean, first of all, I, <laughs> I bristle at the, uh, bringing up of Mount Rushmore. I was literally just thinking about this last night, probably because I read this uh, and then forgot that I read this, but Mount Rushmore is uh, like a, it's a, it's a pretty horrific monument. If you, if you really look into it and, and what it is um, it, it was a, a sacred, I mean, here's the thing when you really start to like pull back your focus and really under begin to understand if you are not an indigenous or native person uh, to the North American continent, when you start to like even just remotely educate yourself on the belief systems of various tribes and sort of a, the general nature of the spirituality of those tribes and uh, the indigenous people on this continent, specifically the part that later became the United States of America, everything was sacred. Everything was sacred because that was the culture of many of the, not all, but many of the tribes that lived on this land. Um, and so that monument is such a desecration of the belief system of the people who surrounded it. Um, and to put like the faces of people, the people who orchestrated the removal of those people on their, such a sad thing. So I'd rather say like who, who would be on the commemorative plate for Boston? Um, but I've just been, you know, I was thinking about Mount Rushmore and also, and, and also just, this is a sort of tangential thing. I, before the, the pandemic really hit in globally, I, I actually went on vacation to Hawaii and, uh, that is a real place to understand just to understand a lot of things, you know, you can really get a lot of perspective going to Hawaii. And I went to see these turtles on this beach and had parked the car and I was uh, getting the sand out of my shoes. And so I had the door open and I had my car door open all the way. And then I noticed that somebody was waiting to get into their car next to me. And he was a person, you know, uh, who looked as though he might be native Hawaiian. And, uh, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I, you know, I pulled my door shut. I was like, oh, sorry about that. I, I wasn't paying attention. And he just looked at me and he said, no worries. We don't take up a lot of space. <laughs> and like, I've ever since I heard that, I'm so grateful to have heard that in going into this time because that's kind of what we got to do. You know, like the virus has spread because we all take up so much space. You know, um, I believe in community. I believe in taking up space with other human beings, but like, it's a good reset to be like, how much space do I actually need to take up? How much physical space, how much mental space, how much financial space do I need to take up? So anyway, uh, <laughs> this is, this is about David Ortiz and Ted Williams. And I mean, I, there's valid arguments for both. And that's why it's a debate, right? Because each side makes a lot of sense. But if, if I was going to choose from a non-Boston fan, 
I would go with David Ortiz. Um, I think that Ted Williams is, I think Ted Williams is on the, the commemorative plate of baseball's golden age, golden era. Um, I think he's on the commemorative plate of hitters, all time hitters. Uh, but if you're talking about the Boston Red Sox, I think you're talking about David Ortiz. I just watched him hit one of those home runs. Um, and to just see the way Fenway just like exploded when he hit that thing to beat the Yankees, it's David Ortiz. I just think it's David Ortiz. Modern era baseball, David Ortiz. Um, so I think you know, my answer is David Ortiz. And that's a tough one because, that, you know, Ted Williams is Ted Williams. All right, so moving on to the Miami Marlins. What if the Marlins had kept Stanton, Yelich, and company together? Where would the Marlins be if they hadn't traded Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcel Ozuna, and D. Gordon after the 2017 season and JT Romuto after the 2018 season? Uh, in 2016, the Marlins went 79 and 83 with all those guys, plus Jose Fernandez leading the rotation, RIP. Fernandez died that September and in 2017 was Stanton winning MVP honors with 59 home runs and Ozuna having a 37 homer season. The Marlins finished 77 and 85. Yelich with a 7.0 war and Real Muto with a 4.5 war have excelled since the trade, but Stanton has battled injuries in New York and Ozuna 1.9 war and Gordon 0.8 0.8 or have been nowhere near as good as they were in 2017. And the rest of the 2017 Marlins roster, other than Brian Anderson, who played 25 games that year, and Miguel Rojas, there is basically no other value for 2019. So ultimately, the question is, was it right to go all in on a rebuild, or could the Marlins have been contenders with this roster? My answer is no. I think that there is a huge argument to be made for what morale does for what, where you're playing does. I think I was talking to one of my friends, uh, who's not just my friend, but my co-manager of my baseball team. Uh, we were talking about playing the show. Um, and he was saying he was going to get the new one, but it, it, we were talking about how we both love playing road to the show. Cause it's such an immersive, uh, way to play the game. And I also, I do love that I can play an entire game in like five minutes and get to play defense and offense. Um, but it's a fun, if you don't have the show and you're, you're thinking about getting it, I highly, and you can afford it. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun and it is like filling a void of baseball for me, especially road to the show because it's, I'm just playing as me. And there's like maybe usually one professional player on the teams, Um, so it's like, it feels like a real thing, but, uh, (laughs) at the beginning you do like these workouts and then there's like this interactive sort of final fantasy thing of it where you're like talking to your high school coach and they ask you what team, if there's any teams you want to play for and you can choose like, no, I just want to get called up or I just want to get drafted or yes, I want to play for, you know, and, and it goes like national or America and like digs through the whole thing. And, uh, my friend Mike was like, you know, I, I didn't realize that that was where you get to choose who you play for. Cause he, the first time he played it, he didn't choose anything, which I also did. And he was like, you know, I'm fine with any team and the, except for the Marlins and he got the Marlins. And it's crazy to think about the Marlins because they've won two world series in the past tw- 30 years. And there's not a lot of teams that can say that. 
And they still are just like this team that you're like, oh God, I of all the teams, I don't want to play for the Florida Marlins. And I don't like saying this because I feel I if you're a Marlins fan, I love you. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, but it's a team that like their their number one goal has not been to win, you know. And if that was the case, this, they wouldn't be where they're at. But like you look at all those players, I don't think keeping them wins you a World Series or even gets you a better team because it's just, it's not on paper. And nobody wanted to play there. I mean, you look at Christian Yelich in Milwaukee, he's playing so much better. So I think, no, I don't think you keep them together. And there's the, the, the last question will sort of answer that even more. So it will prove that I, I I'm correct. Whether, and I don't really care that much about being correct, but, um, anyway, so moving on to the next one, we got, this is the penultimate question. Seattle Mariners is Ichiro Suzuki baseball's true hit King. With 3,089 hits in men's major league baseball and 1,278 in Japan, that's a total of 4,367. Uh, some believe that Ichiro Suzuki should be declared the all-time hit king over Pete Rose, whom we just discussed discussed earlier, who has 4,256. Uh, that is what a hundred and. Wait, is that 111 more? What a what a beautiful number. It is 111 more. And that's such a beautiful number, 111. Uh, it obviously wouldn't be fair to Pete Rose to give his hit crown to somebody running circles around a semi-pro league, but that's not the case here. And we can see the continuity between Ichiro's stats in Nippon Professional Baseball League, uh, that's in Japan, and in the American League. In his seven full seasons in Japan, he hit 359. In his first season with the Mariners, he hit 351, almost no drop. That's barely anything. In his first 10 seasons with the Mariners, he hit 333. Beautiful. Some drop, but close enough to make it clear that Ichiro against Japanese pitching was pretty close to Ichiro against American League pitching, which from which we can deduce that had Ichiro been in the AL from ages 20 to 26, he would have had huge averages and tons of hits a slightly lower average probably, but in a season 30 games longer. If we take a hypothetical Ichiro who came to the majors at age 20, like a typical top elite prospect and hit 333, like a typical MLB Ichiro in playing time scaled up to the longer MLB schedule, he would have had around 1,400 hits, which is actually more than he had in Japan. So it probably uh, is real for me to say that definitely the fact that it would be taking the crown from Pete Rose has something to do with it, that, uh, he's banned from baseball. Um, but that's, uh, a considerable argument. And I, I would say, yes, each hero is baseball's true hit King. Um, he hits, have you ever seen his spray chart? He hits the ball everywhere all the time. And uh, if you haven't read that article about Ichiro and how and his practice and his battles in life uh, from two years ago, do yourself a favor and read it. I'll bet it would help you get through some stuff right now. Um, but I think Brett makes a great argument <laughs> for Ichiro being the true hit king of baseball, and I think that's pretty cut and dry to me. 
Um, I think he absolutely is. I, I think records are made to be broken and allowing for uh, that to be that like the Japan Nippon League to be to be part of it is uh, in the true spirit of baseball, personally. All right. And we move on to the last one. Definitely not the least one and probably the most apt one for me. Cleveland is the late nineties. Cleveland team, the best team never to win a world series in my heart. It absolutely is. However, when we get into the other options, I'm unsure if that's true. Uh, the 1995-2001 Cleveland team, who lost two World Series and four other playoff series, included Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez, Kenny Lofton, Albert Joey Bell, and Omar Vizquel. Others to play significant roles, Alberto Alomar. <laughs> Alberto Alomar? I almost called him Junior, but it's Sandy Alomar Jr. Uh, Carlos Baerga. David Justice, Eddie Murray, and Travis Fryman. We've also got El Presidente and Oral Hershiser. Don't forget those guys. Uh, the 1999 Cleveland team scored 1,009 runs, the only team to exceed the four-figure mark since 1950. The 95 Cleveland team lost the World Series to Atlanta. I remember it desperately, which clearly would have been a candidate for this question. If not for that season, that would be Atlanta. And... The 97 Cleveland team lost in extra innings in game seven on a walk-off to the Florida fucking Marlins. Uh, so here are the other options. You've got the 07-09, which is 1907, 1909 Detroit Tigers, who lost three consecutive World Series with Ty Cobb and Sam Crawford. The 1956 through 50 Boston Red Sox, who lost one World Series but averaged 95 wins with a lineup that included Hall of Famers Ted Williams and Bobby Doerr. The late 90s, early aughts Seattle Mariners, featuring Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, Ichiro Suzuki, and Edgar Martinez, were special. They also never made a World Series, let alone lost one. The 2011-14 Detroit Tigers, who lost only one World Series, but had three first-ballot Hall of Famers in Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Miguel Cabrera, plus Victor Martinez, J.D. Martinez, and plenty more talent. Also, the current Dodgers. Um, so you got a lot of options. I don't know if I don't know if Cleveland takes the cake, but in my heart, they absolutely are the best team that that has never won a World Series. I think the Seattle Mariners team is the best team to never make a World Series. Um, that's that's probably the tie. I w- I would also say. I mean, the Dodgers have lost. They lost two consecutive World Series, and then didn't make the postseason in the third year, um, all while having consistently better seasons. So it's a pretty tough call. Um, I, 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 this, this one in my heart, it is. It is the late 90s Cleveland team. They were just, they were so good, especially the 1995 Cleveland team. They were just so good. There was something like they, they walked off like 15 games they just like, there was a video that I owned, um, which was called Wahoo. What a finish. Um, that is in reference to the mascot. Uh, and, but it was a countdown of all their walk-offs. And one of the maybe four times that I ever stood up to my dad as a child was when I went to see Cleveland play the Detroit Tigers. I was so excited to go. 
and we had like pretty decent seats and my dad just like could not wait to leave and he wanted to leave early to beat traffic and we were losing in the bottom of the ninth and then Sandy Alomar Jr. hit a home run to walk it off. My dad wanted to leave and I was like, no. And he like saw the rage in my eyes and was like, all right, I guess I can listen to this kid one time. So, I mean, to me, it is, it's Cleveland. Cleveland are the best losers of all time. Um, have proud, proud loser as a Cleveland fan. Uh, not from Cleveland, from Akron. Um, which is why that NBA finals was so sweet. So that's it. That's my debate. If you want to let me know any of your thoughts on that, feel free to tweet at me or something. Um, or send me a letter. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to say a quick shout out to everybody who sent me my Allen and Ginter baseball card, uh, to have it signed. It took me a while to get to it. I apologize. Thanks for your patience. But, um, I really appreciate everybody that sent me their card to have it signed. Cause it's a really cool thing. It was really cool that they made the card. It's really cool that you bought it. It's really cool that you wanted me to sign it kind of like a dream come true. So I really appreciate that. Um, big shout out to all of you. I, uh, can't wait till you get it. And, uh, if you have an Allen Ginter card, you want me to sign it, please feel free to do that. Um, it might take a while. <laughs> so we'll see, but, um, I appreciate all of you. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, we're going to do an old ball game this weekend. We're doing a test run today. I'm hoping that works out. We'll see what happens. Um, look for those stay tough, stay tender patches. And I'm working on a new one too. If you're, if you're wanting to up your patch game. So cool friends, keep take, taking care of yourself. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. <laughs>